You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. You know, I got a chance to see the film last night, and I really enjoyed it. It's to me, I'm I'm really seeing a lot of uh, growth from film to film for you, and it it really seems like it was a bigger undertaking than anything else you've done so far. Uh, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's uh, it, going into making this movie, there was no way I could have imagined how technically complicated it would be, and it it was by far uh, the hardest film I've made. And we're both the same age, and we both remember a time before the Internet was ubiquitous, and men, women, and children really tackled that issue. And I was just asked, just wondered for yourself, when you think back on that, sort of how has the Internet changed you personally? Oh, my God. I mean, talk about it possible to answer in under an hour. Um, certainly the biggest change is how I interact with my friends, um, I mean, I, I, I don't talk on the phone almost ever now. It, it, there's so much texting that happens. Uh, I mean, professionally, the digital conversion of cinema has changed everything. I mean, I, I, my viewfinder is my iPhone now. I have an app on my iPhone that lets me plug in the type of camera, aspect ratio, which set of lenses we have, and I can click through the lenses, and that's my viewfinder. But... Uh, I think it's kind of impossible for anyone to to think about a function of their life that has not been changed by the Internet. The film was based on a book, and I was wondering, for the book, what attracted you to it? It's funny. You know, the book, the author was discovered by the same guy, Mason Novick, who discovered Diablo Cody. So he gave me uh, one of the author's books, and I immediately fell in love with his, bo- his voice. He had this approach to relationships and human sexuality that was done without judgment. Uh, there's something very cold about it and something very accurate about it. He finds his way into the into the minds of teenagers and their parents, men and women alike. And as I've spent a lot of time thinking about what constitutes a relationship and the secrets we keep and our struggles with intimacy in the digital world, uh, this book found a way into 12 different storylines, and I, I found that extraordinary, and it, it just came to life as a movie as I read it. And I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so forgive my ignorance on this question, but I was wondering if the use of the Voyager spacecraft and Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot was in the book, or was it something that you found that was a good through line to tie all those storylines together? It's interesting. You know, Pale Blue Dot was in the book. The Voyager was not. And my producer, Helen Esterbrook, uh, sent me uh, a Radio Lab piece on the creation of the Golden Record. And in listening to that, um, I, I just became more interested in the Voyager and its journey, and it suddenly became the, the perfect introduction of an omniscient narrator, almost as though we are watching from the point of view of Voyager, looking back on Earth. The cast, it's just a great ensemble that you're able to put together, just magnificent in terms of range. And one of the things that I also really appreciated is that, you know, you have some rather well-known faces in there. And I would say Adam Sandler, you know, best known for rather broad comedies he's done. But you get this great dramatic performance out of him. And, and one at times that I think would make fans of his broad comedies maybe squirm a bit. And I was wondering how you're able to work that and, and really find this cast. 
You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, this expression I've heard, you know, many times, uh, used with other directors, you know, how did you get that performance out of them? And I find that very rarely with any actor are you wrenching a performance out of a human being. Uh, normally what it is is finding a level of comfort very early on that develops into trust. And with Adam Sandler, he and I met years ago, like three years ago, um, and we started talking about the concept of making a film together. And we saw eye to eye on a lot of things. There was a lot of subjects that we shared that we wanted to make movies about. And when I went to him with this book, uh, he was certainly nervous about it. I mean, it's a tricky role, and unlike anything he had done. But those conversations happened way in advance. His questions were in advance. Uh, by the time we got to set, he was as prepared or if not more prepared than any actor I've ever worked with. I mean, he had he knew not only the scenes in the script, but the scenes in the book backwards and forwards. And, uh, and it became just a joy of watching him bring it to life. And I'd give him subtle directions the way I would with any actor, but he knew exactly where he was. There's a lot of brand names in the film in terms of things that we see on the internet, you know, Facebook and things like that, and was wondering how that was cleared, how you were able to use that stuff, because at times it's not necessarily used in a good way. Uh, you know, any any website that was heavily interacted with, um, Ashley Madison, Pornhub, <laughs> Uh, Guild Wars were sites that uh, we had a relationship with, and we had a great relationship uh, with all those sites. You know, uh, sites that you just see kind of pass by um, were used the way uh, you'd use a location in a movie. If a character walks by a Starbucks in a movie, you don't have to go get the rights to Starbucks. You know, often it seems that there's sort of a simple narrative that the media likes to spin when it comes to technology, and I think in some ways Jennifer Garner's character kind of encapsulates this, this idea that technology is bad or can lead to horrible ends, and I feel that your story is a bit more subtle in that. So do you, you know, what was it that you were trying to take on and, and have in terms of that conversation and the subtleties? You know, it's interesting with Jen Garner's character, right, because you could either view her as an insane woman or actually the smartest person in this film. And as, as a parent, you can't help but look at her and wonder what your approach would be in the same situation. Certainly with my own daughter, um, I'm very fearful. And at the same time, I feel hapless. I, feel I, I, I don't know what kind of rules can be set that will actually make a difference. There was a decent amount of writing this summer about uh, actor and comedian Patton Oswalt taking a break from social media. Mm -hmm. and sort of what he learned about himself upon returning and was wondering that in the creation of men, women, and children, have you had a time to sort of sit and think about your interaction with technology and sort of how it shapes you in similar ways? I love that Patton did that. And I had a, I had a nice lunch with him right in the midst of that. And we talked about what he was experiencing differently and what he saw differently. And certainly that seemed like a great opportunity that I'd love to take on myself. Uh, it's funny, I told the young actors in the movie to to not tweet their experience, to not Instagram their experience, that this was going to be a very special and, frankly, once-in-a-lifetime filmmaking opportunity for them, where they would be the age there they are, working with these other actors, getting to know them in a town like Austin, and to preserve those experiences as personal, as something only amongst the eight of them not to be shared with anybody else, at least for a year, before they knew what they actually had. And 
and they followed those instructions, and I think they're happy they did. There's something about the experience they had together that's private. It doesn't belong to anybody else. Do you think that that might be one of the takeaways from the film or one of the things that we should really think about with technology is the idea of sharing some things and then also keeping some things for ourselves? You know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in takeaways <laughs> when, uh, when it comes to my movies. I hope they spur conversation. Um, I'd much rather you walk out of the film, recognize something in the movie that reminds you of your own life, and and address it. Uh, but I think it's impossible to have general takeaways when it comes to something as broad as the Internet, which does as much good as it does bad. And I think that was one of the things that I appreciated with the film is that there is, and I got from the ending at least, the idea that we have to wrestle with this and come to our own conclusions and how we deal with each other. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, the Internet arrived at our feet fully formed with no instructions, and it doesn't seem as though we're going to completely understand its impact for decades to come. And generations from now, they'll look back at us and, and, and remark about how foolish we were as we wandered around in the dark. I was going to ask you about another film that was at the festival that you had a hand in, and that was uh, Whiplash. This place is nice. I really like the music that they play. Bob Ellis on the drums. <laughs> I'm part of Schaefer's Top Jazz Orchestra. It's the best music school in the country. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and... I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and... Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. So how's it going with the studio band? Good. Yeah, I think he likes me more now. I push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. I want to be one of the greats. And because I'm doing that, it's going to take up more of my time. And this is why I don't think that we should be together. I would never let him put my son through hell. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. is a remarkable movie, and I, I, I'd be lying if I said I had any large impact on that film. That is the, the brainchild and genius of its writer-director, Damien Chazelle, and, and, and the actors whose performances are extraordinary. At least at the bare minimum, you saw something in what he did with, with his script or the short that uh, made you come forward to want to uh, assist in some way. Well, you know, what happened was my producer, Helen Estabrook, found his script, and we both loved it. And we both wanted to find a way to get it made. And Helen took the initiative and made the short film with Damien. 
brought it to Sundance where it won, and then in the interim found the financing for the feature script and then went off to make the feature. Uh, so uh, I've been there since day one, um, but I, I was more of a, a witness, you know. I you know I had my my small moments. I, I you know I, I recommended to use J.K. Simmons because I think J.K. Simmons should be in every movie, and uh, and you know we had just conversations about his script and the edit and stuff. But um, Damien is so clearly a great filmmaker, and. Uh, He's the you know even after the short film I would tell financiers that, financiers that this is like seeing a five tool player in the minor leagues you just know he's going to have a huge career and you'd be lucky to have him and it's as you were saying J.K. Simmons and I just wanted to ask you about him I mean where did did you originally connect with him and he just seems to be through your through your work and as you said you put him in everything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, first came first, I was a fan of J.K. Simmons, you know, I watched him on Law and & Order, and I uh, would see him in movies, Salmon Oz, and he came in and he auditioned for Thank You for Smoking, and uh, he was just perfect, he got cast, and a friendship just formed on that set, we just bonded for whatever reason, we started playing poker together, and when it came time for Juno, I couldn't imagine anyone else to play the father. And that really cemented things. I just knew, all right, we just have to find ways to work with each other, whether the roles are large or small. And, uh, you know, the only, you know, I would have loved to have direct JK to the, you know, career changing performance that Whiplash is, but um, I'm happy that my name is on it nonetheless. What is it about him when you first saw him and you came across him as an actor and then have him on your set that you think you'd get from him that maybe you wouldn't get from someone else? I don't know. Every once in a while, a director connects with an actor uh, where you just feel as though they speak my voice. You know, every director has a filmmaker's voice, and and you find certain actors who just work within that world no matter what. And uh, J.K. is one of those guys for me. You know, Jason Bateman is one of those guys for me. Um, and... Uh, and it you, you you connect on a level where very little direction is is required, and they seem to understand simultaneously the irony and the tenderness that I'm always going for. I've always been fascinated by that in terms of um, you know you look out through cinema history and you have these great combos of directors and actors. I mean, it's like Fellini and. You know, and, and Mastriani and, you know, De Niro and Scorsese and, and even, you know, Kurosawa and Tirsha Mofune. I mean, it's just mm. uh, just something that seems to bring people together to make them do great work. And like I said, it's um, I, I had known, as you were saying, him and other stuff before. But I really think that the, the work that you do with him really kind of elevates it and, and, and brought it forward for him. So, I mean, I really as a musician, it. he's a guy who I'm going to put the, the you know put the notes in front of him and he knows exactly how to play them and he gets the tone of what i'm after so i, I just feel lucky that i found him and uh, grateful that he continues to do my movies i was going to ask about your early years and maybe what you've learned from your father in terms of being on his sets and and filmmaking and is you know did that sort of open the door for you to go this is what i really want to do as opposed to i don't know take up gardening or something <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to sum up all the things that I learned from uh, growing up around my father. Um, you know, uh, from 
the very bare bones basics of writing, storytelling, filmmaking, editing, how to work with actors, how to work with crew, um, how to be ruthless with my own material, um, all the way to growing as a filmmaker with a career that has ups and downs. Um, He's taught me everything I know, and it is through watching him over the course of 30 years that, uh, that I have a perspective on my own career. Do you ever get a chance to watch your films with him and get his input and what is oh, he saying? Oh, he watches, he gets every script, he sees every cut. I mean, um, how could I not? I have this brilliant storyteller on speed dial. It's <laughs> true. The, the one more thing, though, I was going to ask is um, when we talk about film in America and there is a lot of folks that did come from Canada who have done rather well, uh, do you think that there's a different sensibility that folks who have Canadian background have on what seems to work in America and what doesn't? I don't, I'm not sure. How to you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, so it's very hard for me to address the Canadian perspective. There's something about people from Chicago that are funny that seems to do partly with the fact that they're not in New York. And perhaps the same could be said for Canada. I know you're right now out um, taking care of things for men, women, and children, but was just wondering, looking out, uh, are there any new projects that you're thinking of or considering? I'm adapting a novel called The Possibilities. It's by Cowie Hart Hemmings, the, the woman who wrote The Descendants. And that's just in the early stage right now? Yeah, just writing. Okay. Come on, my movie's coming out this month. <laughs> just give me give me a moment. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Pleasure talking to you. All right. Take care.